0: Welcome to Inspiration from American History with Rebecca Price Janney. For the next several weeks, I'm tracing the origins of general American attitudes about heaven and hell from the beginning to the present. These podcasts will help you better understand why you believe what you believe. This second week's podcast is about America's melting pot of religious beliefs. When singer Johnny Cash died, many Americans met the news of his death with sadness that a beloved star was gone, that he was 71, his wife had passed away just a few months earlier, and the man in black had been suffering physically, however, removed some of the sting. It came as no shock that he died. The same could not be said about actor John Ritter's death a day earlier no one expected the effervescent 54-year-old to fall suddenly ill on his sitcom set and die of a torn aorta. That evening on TV, a reporter took her camera crew to actor Henry Winkler's home and greeted him with a tearful embrace. At one point, the reporter looked him in the eye and said, I know John is up there looking down on you and that he would just like to wrap his arms around you and tell you to keep on going. Winkler looked as if he wanted to believe this but wasn't so sure. He began his response with, if he is up there. That reporter's statement of faith would irritate most seminary professors carefully examine the Bible's original texts to discern their meaning, parsing Greek and deciphering Hebrew for accuracy. On what was her sure and certain belief based, her bold, I know, followed by her assurance that the comedian was up there, and at that moment, looking down on Henry Winkler. Not his wife, not his kids, but Winkler she also professed to know exactly how he would respond to his friend's distress. One of the most prevalent contemporary American beliefs about life after death is the concept that the dead are up there looking down on friends and loved ones. Where does this idea come from? Is it trustworthy? I will examine what others long ago believed and what they have passed down to contemporary Americans. Because the U.S. is a melting pot of cultures and religious beliefs, it is important to analyze what some of those major groups have believed historically about heaven and hell. The most important of India's Hindu religious texts is the Bhagavad Gita, And in it, there is a story about Krishna, the incarnated god of creation, who came to a prince Arjuna. Krishna informs the royal son that the soul's life does not end at death, and therefore the life of the body itself is of no great significance. What really matters is the way a person lives, whether or not he fulfills his special place in society those actions produce consequences, or karma. When a person dies, he enters a protracted cycle of life and rebirth. If his karma is favorable, his next life will be positive, resulting in a higher state of integrity and peace. If not, he will return in a form, even as an insect or animal, that enables him to learn, grow, and fulfill his purpose for that life. For the ancient Egyptians, death was a crucial theme, and they spent a great deal of time and money preparing for what came next. They had a cult around the idea of the afterlife, along with highly structured ceremonies. The common belief was that life did go on, that people continued as themselves with needs that had to be met in death just as in life, such as for food and clothing. It was up to the living to ensure that their loved ones met those requirements, otherwise the dead might justifiably haunt them. Egyptians had a positive sense about what the afterlife would be like, but they also believed that in order for a person to enjoy it, his good deeds would have to outweigh the bad. Their overall optimism led to a belief that most people would enjoy a happy afterlife. When a person died, along with material goods, messages would also be buried with her as evidence of her character. Osiris, the Egyptian god of the Nile, was believed to oversee the journey from death to the beyond which included a time of judgment for the individual. Others living in the ancient Middle East developed a far less sanguine idea about the afterlife than the Egyptians. In Persia, for example, a philosopher developed a system called Zoroastrianism in which equal powers of good and evil battled it out for supremacy in the world. Everyone's actions were recorded in a book of life and, when a person died, he went to heaven for a reading of the accounts and words of his life. If his good deeds outweighed the bad, he would head to paradise. If the opposite were true, eternal suffering would result in a hellish place. In case there was an equal balance between the good and the bad, the person would enter a state of limbo until a last judgment of mankind by the gods and a final decision on each person's ultimate fate. While the Hebrews also had a strong sense of good and evil, they did not view them as equal entities. There was only one God, Yahweh, unequaled in power. Although Satan was the prince of darkness, he was clearly not regarded as a deity. Early on, Jews had a concept of an afterlife, but it wasn't completely developed. Nor was it especially comforting. All dead people were understood to go to a place under the earth known as Sheol, or simply the grave. But all people went there. Believers in Yahweh, though, were hopeful about their ultimate destiny. According to R. Laird Harris, The future life is affirmed in many places in the Old Testament, although details are not given. The intermediate state and the destiny of the wicked get less emphasis. Most Americans think of Confucianism as China's major religion, but it actually is more of an ethical system to help society function smoothly and orderly. According to Confucius, It is much more important to be concerned with this world than with anything supernatural or metaphysical. For him, the highest good was to achieve harmony between oneself and society. Morality was what kept people wanting to do right and to be in accord with others. He believed conforming to the societal good was enough to occupy a person's energies without dwelling on an afterlife. In China, however, people often prayed to their ancestors for help. While Confucius did not authorize this, he believed ancestors provided a special continuity between the generations, and so should be revered, if not worshipped. For the ancient Greeks, from which so much Western thought originated, life after death inspired keen debates between their best philosophers, including Plato and Homer. Overall, however, there was no clear theory about the afterlife, and no substantial hopes were based upon them. According to Homer, a kind of wraith of the dead man vanished to the underworld which was an unhappy place, one of shadows, joyless, eventless, meaningless. There was a state of bliss, as well as one of punishment, but the former could only be experienced by a few select heroes. The ancient Romans emphasized life in this world, as opposed to speculating about what might come after death, But that did not satisfy the ache of their hearts at the graves of their loved ones or give them peace about their own end what the intelligentsia promoted when they spoke in terms of the afterlife at all included a borrowing of philosophical and religious concepts from the greeks for example the greek epicureans totally denied that anything came after death And they had Roman followers who went by the slogan, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. On the other hand, there were Romans who followed the Greek Stoics, who said there are no rewards or punishments in death. Rather, virtue in this life is its own reward, and vice results in its own punishment. When Christianity penetrated Rome, a majority of the empire's citizens were preoccupied by but uncertain about life after death. In pre-Columbian America, afterlife beliefs took on a far different tone. The Mayans believed in layers of heaven, 13 to be exact, while nine worlds existed below the earth. At death, people merged with the gods, becoming one, and their descendants then worshipped them. Similarly, the Aztecs thought there were heavenly layers above the earth, and that those who died as warriors in battle, merchants on distant trips who passed away, and women who died in childbirth got to go to those heavens where they became the sun's companions. Everyone else endured the nine worlds below, including a hellish region with nine rivers, which dead souls took four years to cross. Then they would simply vanish. The Incas believed two souls resided in people. One of them remained with the body at death, and the other returned to its place of origin. Most Native North Americans also believed in the immortality of the soul, asserting that the afterlife would be full of all that made this life secure and pleasant. The Iroquois of the Northeast thought the dead became ghosts, who went to an afterlife that became interwoven with the life of the person's tribe. Contrary to popular opinion, Native Americans did not believe in a happy hunting ground because this clashed with their conviction that ghosts did not eat food. Our ancient ancestors speculated, marveled about, and feared the afterlife, what it was, where it was, and if indeed it was. 21st century Americans have the blessings and drawbacks of centuries of meticulously constructed beliefs from every possible culture and every conceivable angle of understanding. Each American is the product of at least one of those religions or philosophies, often more than one. What has happened to us is similar, at least in one way, to the ancient Romans who built upon the foundations of their own earliest traditions and folklore, then integrated the teachings of the Greek and Oriental philosophies. At the time of Christianity's advent into their culture, most Romans, like the majority of Americans today, were theistic, although they hadn't really settled on one way of thinking about God or gods. They also felt concerned about life after death, wanting to believe it was real and true, fearing it might not be, and wondering where the truth really lay. Like modern Americans, those Romans had mostly abandoned the traditions of their ancestors. They adopted other cultures' views, creating a syncretism that left many in doubt about life after death. Scholars were generally contemptuous of or confused about the whole idea, while the majority of Romans, although they may not have known why, clung to popular concepts. Thank you for joining me for this version of Inspiration from American History. I'm Rebecca Price Janney.